Welcome into episode 16 of the Sources Say podcast, a brand new addition to the growing KSR podcast network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Happy to be joined by my friend, the recruiting analyst with Rivals.com, Cats Illustrated, Travis Graff. We are ready for a special edition of the Sources Say podcast. Travis, how are you doing, man? Doing great. Got some uh, great stuff to cover today. Some positivity after some negativity last couple weeks on the recruiting front. Absolutely. Today, by the time you hear this, Isaiah Jackson is a Kentucky Wildcat. He announced his commitment this afternoon over Alabama and Syracuse among 22 total offers. Uh, He made the announcement at an announcement ceremony at his high school at Waterford Mott High School. Uh, massive, massive, massive get for the Kentucky coaching staff that was desperately looking for a big man commitment. After striking out uh, after the last several years on on what seemed to be every single elite big man, uh, they finally get they, – they, they already had one in Lance Ware, um, but they, they finally get another one in – Isaiah Jackson, uh, Travis. Immediate thoughts. What do you think of Isaiah Jackson's addition to Kentucky's 2020 recruiting class? I think he is exactly what Kentucky needed to add to this class. He's a another certain like very high. He's not highly skilled yet, but he's he has a lot more skill than he's given credit for. Uh, the Marcus Lee comparisons that some people throw out there are just not in the cards for me. I, one, per, one comparison I heard earlier to, today before he announced was Keon Brooks and with more of a post presence and a lot better rim protection, uh, like in terms of build and a uh, pogo stick type athlete. I think he's even more of a pogo stick than Keon Brooks is, but I think he's perfect to go along with uh, Lance Ware, and I think they'll look to add one, maybe two more bigs and look – probably a little bit more bulk down low but great get for the cats yeah absolutely and, and with the the expectation as we've said on this podcast over and over again is that no matter what happens this year nick richards and ej montgomery are gone nate sestina is graduating it's a clean slate they are the kentucky coaching staff needed to sign big men um at least at least three possibly four and they got one in Lance Ware, and that was kind of a cut-and-dry recruitment. I mean, this, this, there were rumblings that as soon as he received his scholarship offer from Kentucky that it was a done deal, he was going to, he was going to end up in Lexington. He did so within just a couple weeks. Um, and then, But with this one, this recruitment has been just a, an absolute whirlwind. I mean, Travis, you know uh, we've, we've talked behind closed doors, and, and we, you know, we've sent texts back and forth this this recruitment has been so so hard to read over the last several weeks um i said on the last podcast that we did that that after his official visit to kentucky in late august the kentucky coaching staff was extremely optimistic about how it happened how it unfolded they didn't get a commitment from him at, at you know he didn't make a silent commitment or anything to the coaching staff at the time but 
they felt pretty strongly that they were uh, in in prime position to land him. And then it seemed like a couple weeks afterward, um, things things died out, and then Alabama kind of slid in there as as a, a co leader, I guess you'd say. And then since then, it, it it's just been completely silent. Travis, I want you to break down the last couple weeks and just what the heck happened. Well, like I said in previous podcasts alongside you and David, I have not had any inside scoop on this recruitment. Uh, They've been pretty tight-lipped, and everybody across the country, even when they do give predictions, wasn't uh, they weren't very confident in their picks, Um, low confidence levels across the board. Then there was some stuff started to leak earlier today, and then that's the first time I felt confident. That's whenever I made a decision because all along I was like, I think it's 50-50. I mean, gun to my head, I might pick Alabama. Because uh, I truly did not know until today, and they've done a fantastic job of keeping it tight lipped up until the end. But yeah. yeah, like like I said, today was the first day I I had known anything significant about this recruitment outside of because like hell Corey Evans said it uh, a couple of days ago. He's like, yeah, one source is saying Alabama, one source is saying uh, Kentucky, and that's the same thing. And I didn't know which one to go with, so I wasn't gonna stick my neck out there and make a prediction. Yeah, I did a a special edition kind of podcast yesterday afternoon. Uh, Like I said, I I had the podcast equipment sitting right next to me while I was working, and Devin Askew reclassified to the class of 2020. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just throw the headsets on and and go for it. And I I just kind of rambled on for about 40 minutes or so. Um, And at the tail end of it, I said, I have no idea. They said that they – that. If it didn't come from from the father or Isaiah himself, nobody knows anything. They wanted to keep it keep that circle as tight as possible. Um, they, I mean, they were just completely tight lipped. And you know, there were there were people out there that told me, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Kentucky has kind of established themselves as as the leader. Oh, I think Alabama has established themselves as the leader. But it always felt like guesses. It never felt like it. They were saying it in true confidence. I think they were more so reading the tea leaves and saying, you know, I think Kentucky did a phenomenal job with with their, you know, with their pitch. They have a lot of things to sell to them. You know, kind of connecting the dots with it. Just like they're connect- they were connecting the dots with with Nate Oates and their relate and the Alabama coaching staff's relationship with Isaiah, uh, it, I mean it just at the end of the day I thought it was just people reading tea leaves and I even flat out said it I was like just by reading the tea leaves from what is what is public knowledge out there I'm gonna say. 55-45 Alabama. I said that it, I think it's I think it's between those two schools. I think it's neck and neck. But if I had to, like you said, put a gun to my head and make a final final decision, I'd probably lean Alabama. Well, good thing we didn't have to do that because we'd both be dead not doing this podcast. That's anymore. a very very good point. And you bring up a fantastic point. It was like completely silent, completely silent, completely silent. Then there were rumblings late last night that uh, so we had his his head coach on last week, uh, coach Dave McGlown at Waterford Mott, and he said he would not be shocked at all if this decision came down to the wire that a decision happened in the hours leading up to the announcement uh, or the night before or something. And that held true because there were rumblings last night that a decision was made but they, we, the people still weren't giving giving much. They were saying, "Yeah, I, th- I think he's, I think he's ready to go. I think he, he's, he knows what he's doing tomorrow." Um, and then nothing, nothing really more from that. There was one individual that I talked to up in up in Michigan that 
was that claimed to be somebody that was 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 close close to Isaiah, and he was just adamant about uh, about Kentucky getting him, and and that was one of the guys that I just kind of uh, assumed was just reading the tea leaves and connecting the dots. But uh, he he's been pretty pretty confident in Kentucky's chances for a while, but uh, even you know. Even with him, like he, I just, I just never had confidence to to move forward with it and make a strong predi- prediction, until this morning. This morning, it was like a flip switched, and the the the, the gates were just, just opened. Like the the floodgates were just opened. It, ever since then, it has been Kentucky pick after Kentucky pick. You look at his crystal ball. Uh, you looked at his crystal ball uh, this morning, and within the span of like an hour, there were like fifteen. 15 straight picks. I think he had like six, uh, six on on the future cast, and then another five or so um, on 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 his crystal ball. So yeah, it was a crazy back and forth, um, massive, massive uh, get. Finally, Kentucky gets yet another big man, uh, Travis. I, let's let's talk about his game a little bit. Um, I, this is a kid that he's a. Uh, ranked as high as number 22 in the nation um, by Rivals.com. I believe ESPN has him at 23, and uh, I think 24-7 has him ranked the lowest at 32, I believe. Um, Travis, what do you like? I know you kind of touched on it earlier, but what do you like most about his game, and uh, how do you think he'll fit in at at Kentucky next year? Well, for one, he's a phenomenal athlete. Um, Like I said, quick second jumper, Developing skill around the rim. He's more of a rim runner right now, but he would be perfect for what Kentucky's built to do next year and just like catching lobs, running the floor, protecting the rim. And I talked to somebody last week and they're in a different AA, they're with a different AAU uh, team than he plays for. But he told me he's like, dude, I think Isaiah Jackson long term has the second most potential out of any big man in this class. That's not Evan Mobley. So I was like, wow, that's pretty strong statement right there. And he's like, yeah, I, I really like that kid a lot. I think he's just scratching the surface. But um, from what I, everything I've gathered, like people that like know him and like played against him, coached against him, uh, he needs to develop a mid-range, a more consistent mid-range game, but he's got the skill to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, working on his handles a little bit, but – uh, just finishing around the rim. If he can finish around the rim, I think the sky's the limit for him. He's a future first round draft pick. Yeah, I think what is what makes this commitment so big for Kentucky immediately, from an immediate standpoint, is that the dude has a motor unlike anybody. I mean, he is a relentless, relentless basketball player. Uh, he likes to do the dirty work. He likes, you know, being a cleanup guy around the basket, grab the tough rebounds, uh, block tough shots. He's just one of those guys that is going to give it his all. Uh, on both ends of the floor nonstop, which is, you know, as we've seen this year, Kentucky has had some up and downs with in, in last year, you know, with EJ Montgomery and Nick Richards. They have had some struggles with with up and down play and inconsistencies on, uh, you know, in terms of uh, what they're bringing to the table from a motor perspective and, and just intensity. I mean, that's the, the it's so frustrating watching some games this year and and seeing Kentucky mo- mo- uh, lose out on some some easy rebounds and and let the ball dribble you know 
roll across the ground and let the opponent pick it up. Like it, it, that little stuff has been so frustrating so far this year. And Isaiah Jackson is the opposite of that. He's a guy that is going to die for loose balls and, and just he's a gritty, wanting to uh, you know just just you know he bring he's a lunch pail hard hat type guy. Uh, that that Kentucky so desperately needed, and um, yeah, talking to his head coach last week when when we had him on the show, he said that one thing that kind of shocked him when he kind of came o- when he came over from from Spire Academy and and um, started working out with with Water from Mott and and during training sessions and all that is that the dude is is way more offensively gifted than kind of people make him out to be. You know, I think the the general sentiment around him uh, going going into the spring and going into AAU play was that he was one of the most raw offensive players in the, in in all of high school basketball, but he was one of the best defensive players in all of high school basketball. He can protect the rim, block shots like like crazy. I think he averaged uh, last year at Spire like 4.6 blocks a game. Like the dude is is just a ridiculous shot blocker, um, just a pure rim running uh, lob catcher. That's that's pretty much all all he does. And and his head coach said. He has been grabbing rebounds and and going coast to coast with it. He has been, you know, bringing the ball up the floor for him every once in a while, and and has has shown off a game, you know, twelve to fifteen foot jump shot, and and uh, I think he took ten three points, ten three pointers on the AAU circuit this year. So it's not like he is extremely uncomfortable shooting the ball and that, you know, he's like Ben Ben Simmons and just simply won't shoot the ball. He, I mean, I think he only hit one of those 10 three-point attempts, so I'm not saying that he's an elite shooter by any means, but he, he at least has shown that he is not afraid to step back and take a jump shot. Some of his film, I mean, he's he's taking fadeaway jump shots from 15 feet out and, and you know, looking kind of, you know, Kind of guard like. I mean, like he has some some elite guard skills for a dude that is six foot ten, two hundred and ten pounds. So, um, yeah, that is a massive, massive get. Uh, t- kind of earlier, w- earlier when we were describing his game, um, I, I'm a rivals guy, but I, I always look across all the platforms to see because I want to be a national recruiting analyst is what I want to do for my in game. But so I'm trying to gather information from all these different places, see what other people are seeing, all the professionals. And earlier when we were reading, or uh, not reading, when we were talking about um, describing his game, it's it. I'm reading the 24-7 evaluation of him, and it seems like we were literally reading word for word what they said. Uh, Jerry Meyer wrote, adequate length, but very slender for a four-man, tremendous athlete, fast and a high – Passing a high riser has an ex- extremely quick second jump and the instincts and timing of a top-notch shot blocker. Not considered a skilled offensive player, but his skill level is steadily improving. Motor athleticism potential project as a first-round pick. That's pretty much exactly what we said, and we were not reading that. And this <laughs> player comparison is probably the best comparison that I've seen for him, and I love it for him, is uh, it's Jordan Bell. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think that's a fantastic comparison. Yeah, I mean, remember late in the year, he was a, he ended up being a, where was he picked in in the in the draft? Jordan Bell. Um, I can't remember. I just remember like you see him, you saw him last year in spurts with Golden State. Like you saw yes. all the potential he has. Yeah, that and that's kind of that was kind of the point I was making that he he was a high potential guy um, in in college and and was drafted was drafted on potential and. 
at, in the NBA, I mean, he he was just a plug and play dude. I mean, it, it, almost instantly. Uh, yeah, because didn't didn't the Warriors trade for his rights for just cash considerations, and that kind of made a a big a big stir in, in the, the you know draft coverage. Everybody was like, wow, the, the, they really yeah, aren't high um, on. They I'm aren't high right on. now. He was drafted a uh, 38th pick in That's the second right. round. Um, he was picked by the Chicago Bulls and later traded to the Warriors for $3.5 million in cash considerations. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I remember Jordan Bell afterward was like, all right, you, you you know, all right, Bulls, you don't have you don't have faith in me as, my lo- as a long-term prospect. I'm going to make you – I'm going to make you earn those that $3.5 million. I, I hope I hope you enjoy the money over what, what you could have had with me. And he's been he's been pretty solid uh, to, to start his NBA career. And, and, yeah, that's a phenomenal comparison just in terms of high-intensity, um, just – bring it all every time he steps on the floor, wanting to just do the dirty work, grab tough rebounds, block tough shots, uh, and just, just be a force inside, even if he's not scoring a bunch of points. That was one of my biggest takeaways with the conversation we had with his coach was that he doesn't care about being a 30-point-per-game scorer. He doesn't care about having the ball in his hands nonstop. He wants to – uh, he just wants to do what's best for the team and make sure that they are in the best position to, to succeed and win basketball games. Um, and – that was one thing I kind of struggled with with uh, Alabama and Syracuse's pitch. Like they they pitched him as a a mainstay in in the front court and and being you know ha- building the team around him. And it's like that's not who he is at the college level. Like, would you build a team around Jordan Bell? Like, no he he is the perfect role player or was he's a complimentary yeah yeah yeah. he was the perfect complimentary piece to that big um you know the the dynasty that the the warriors had you know i know they look like garbage this year but um you know he was he was he was the perfect complimentary piece as a high energy guy off the bench um at the nba at the nba level but in college you know he was that's kind of who he was he was just a cleanup guy he he made such an impact in i remember um in the in March Madness, he had all those you know crazy dunks on 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 their big run. So, uh, and uh, and the thing that works in his favor that we mentioned also works in in Isaiah's favor is his tremendous motor is what it comes down. That's why he's getting paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and Kentucky just so desperately needed another big man. I mean, it just feels you know you you, you sent a text to me last night, Oscar Shashibwe with with West Virginia. Finish with twenty points, seventeen rebounds, and what four steals or four blocks or whatever it was. Um, just, I mean, insane stats. Um, you look at Isaiah Stewart. You look at Jaden McDaniels. You look across the board, and they're all finding success. And Kentucky just they they there was a hole in the front court this season to bring in one of those big one of those bigs, and nobody wanted to take them up on that offer. It's it's just very frustrating. So to to get this. To get this fall signing period opened up and get commitments and signatures from both Lance Ware and Isaiah Jackson, I mean that that is just very very impressive. Um, now, Travis, let's let me ask you, where does Kentucky move from here? I know you said that they're going to still go after a, a couple more, but um, what what do you think is the next move? What who do you think they go after in particular, and do you think they still go after two bigs? Um, what two more bigs? What what do you think? Yeah, I think that they'll go after two bigs. I think they'll I honestly think they'll only add two more to the class, and 
I think they'll go after uh, Kaminga and Jonathan Kaminga and Greg Brown. I think they'll try to get one of those, and I could see them adding somebody off the transfer market or the grad transfer market. So I think they'll get a experienced uh, big from the grad transfer market, try to get a transfer, and then get one of the top tier big men left. Yeah, on the I, board. Yeah, I I completely agree. Or I mean, you could also like we said the other day, uh, you could get Paulo as well. I know he's saying twenty twenty, but with what that yeah. one guy in one of the recruiting circles told me that we talked about last episode, saying that somebody close to Kentucky's program was saying that they're going to get a twenty twenty one big, and um, he's going to reclass and come to Kentucky next year. I mean, that's got to be Paulo. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Sissa, even though Moses is like apparently 16, he's young as hell. Yeah. But so, yeah, I think that's the direction they go. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree I, on all, all the big names. I think you, you, what was so frustrating to me with this Isaiah Jackson news is there was this late rumbling that, uh, oh, Kentucky backed off because, uh, because they felt confident that they were going to get a Paolo Banchero reclass, and they didn't want, you know, they they didn't want to take commitments for both of them. And it's like, look at the front court. That, that, like that is the most stupid thing I've ever heard in my life. It's, it's, like you said, look at the front court. They have one big committed right now, and they have room for four. Yeah, they need four. I mean, look, they wanted another dude for this team, and you are losing. The three guys that you have in the front court. I mean, I know Keon Brooks and Khalil Whitney have have you know flirted flirted time with uh, you know playing the playing at the four, but their mainstays in the front court. All three of their scholarship bigs are going to be gone next year. They need bodies, like just bodies. It doesn't matter who the heck they are. They need people to practice. Like, and they have to be basketball players, not baseball players, or freaking you know football players you know Ahmad Wagner and I know that <laughs> I know that was a joke and, and all that and I you know I, I kind of I fed into it and laughed with it but if you are if you need Ahmad Wagner to to make or break your season you're failing like that is like that it's just like you, you can't put it any more any more simply like you're failing that is UK needs bodies and that's why I was so frustrated with with JJ Trainer. I mean you have right now Kentucky has three open scholarships at the end of the bench why why could JJ Trainer not have gotten one of those? Why? Like you, I mean, they they already need, they they were already looking for one more this year. Nick Richards went down early. It was like, oh crap, we have EJ Montgomery and Nate Tasina, and that's it. And then put Keon at the four in spot minutes and Khalil at the four in spot minutes. But like, that's emergency. That that's like emergency situation right there. And then now EJ is out, and look what the hell just happened against Evansville. Like. Kentucky, what was so frustrating is Calipari said several years back that, that he was never going to be put in a situation ever again where, where they were going to be short on numbers, that, they were gonna, that he was going to you know, overcompensate and make sure they always had bodies for practice and all that. And it's like, okay, well, just a few years later, we are now you know, bringing in a freaking baseball player to, to help in practice, like just, just for a numbers, from a numbers perspective. And I know things didn't work out with Nefali Dante, and I know things didn't work out with Jaden McDaniels late in the process, and they didn't get Kerry Blackshear, and blah, blah, blah. Like, I get it. It sucks. Um, I, like, I'm not blaming Kentucky for not getting those, those guys. They, I mean, they, they recruited their asses off, and, and, you know, sometimes kids just go by the beat of their own drum and don't end up where uh, it makes the most sense. Um, but 
this year when you know that, when you know what you know right now, what happened this past year, I feel like if I were John Calipari, I, I would overcompensate. I'd be like, you know what? Let's get JJ Trainer signed on right now. Let's go get, uh, you know, let's go get commitments from both Isaiah Jackson and Lance Ware. Let's have three front court guy, front court guys signed, ready to go. Keep pushing for Isaiah Todd. Keep you know, you know before he signed with Michigan. And, well, and I'll, I'll give, but, you know, I'll I mean. play devil's advocate and give another viewpoint. Um. When has Kentucky ever had this many people sign in the fall, though? Never, as they do in this class. Never, and and I, so, I, I yeah, it just happens point. to be that they that it's not bigs like we talked before. It used to be he couldn't get wings, now he can't get bigs, and yeah, yeah. he signed a boatload of kids in this early signing period, and only two of them are bigs. Which I mean, they're fantastic pieces, but they're gonna have to get two more. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, they, they, they are 100% not done. But, yeah, you bring up a good point. I think the biggest fall signing period they've ever had was in 2011 when they signed Anthony Davis uh, um, when they signed Anthony Davis, Kyle Wilcher, Marcus Teague, and, and Michael K. Gilchrist in the fall. And I think that ended up being their whole – I think they got Eloy Vargas in the spring maybe. Um or did Eloy come the year before? I, I don't remember. But I think that was the the biggest signing they've had in in one signing period, um, and at least the the fall the fall signing period. And now there there are six signature. Kentucky has six signatures um, right now, ready to go, which is just just insane when when you really think about the numbers. Um, yeah, I, I think Calipari is, is still going to go after Greg Brown. I think they're going to push for a reclass from Paolo. I think they're going to hope for that Jonathan Kaminga can come in and, and save the day and and sign and be a, a small ball four and just an absolutely ridiculous super team at that point. Um, but yeah, the, the options are out there. If they don't, if they strike out there, they're gonna have to go for the transfer market. They're gonna have to go for a, a grad transfer. Um, it needs they, they need they need numbers, and that's what's that's what is so important about this get is it just adds to those numbers. You have two. Now let's get one, at least one at the very minimum, and two two to feel comfortable. Um, I, I think it, this w- went a long way in giving in letting letting the Kentucky coaching staff at least breathe a little bit easier going into next season. Um, well, let's not, we don't need to run, run on too long. Uh, that was that, uh, you know, just wanted to get something out there right when, right when the signing happened. So, so the fans could have something, something quick to listen to right, um, right afterwards. So, uh, Travis, you just want to end it there. Yeah. Just bottom line, big time, get tremendous kid can be great for the program. Absolutely. High potential kid, uh, going to block a ton of shots at Kentucky. He's going to be a defensive defensive force down there, and uh, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Glad Kentucky was able to get his signature, um, and get it wrapped up right now. So as we wrap up, uh, Travis, where, where can we find your work? You can find me on Twitter at Trav underscore Graf. You can find my work on Cats Illustrated on the Rivals Network. And you can find me at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me there or at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com if you are interested in sponsoring this show or just want to just want to give me a little kind message. I, I appreciate those. Um, go go find us uh, on uh, iTunes, Spotify, any of the major podcasting apps at The Sources Say Podcast. Uh, live, give us a five-star review. Give us some positive feedback. We appreciate it. It makes us look good. Uh, and we will be back on 
on Tuesday night to recap the Utah Valley hopefully victory and uh, what, what whatever the latest is on the recruiting circle. We will see you then.